Chronic Illness Therapist podcast. This is meant to be a place where people with chronic illnesses can come to feel heard, seen, and safe while listening to mental health therapists and other medical professionals talk about the realities of treating difficult conditions. This might be a new concept for you, one in which you never have to worry about someone inferring that it's all in your head. We dive deep into the human side of treating complex medical conditions and help you find professionals that leave you feeling hopeful for the future. I hope you love what you learn here, and please consider leaving a review or sharing this podcast with someone you love. Chris McDonald is a licensed therapist and holistic provider with a group practice, Path to Hope Counseling, in Raleigh, North Carolina. She's a 200-hour registered yoga teacher who specializes in the treatment of anxiety, depression, trauma, chronic pain, and grief in young adults experiencing life transitions. She teaches clients mindfulness, breathwork, meditation, yoga, and uses brain spotting. Chris also offers therapy for therapists and published the book Self-Care for the Counselor. She's the host of Holistic Counseling Podcast and helps mental health therapists learn how to integrate holistic strategies into treatment and build a holistic counseling practice. Hi, Chris. Welcome. So yeah, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, the population that you work with? What drew you to this population? And okay. Yeah. So I work with primarily young adults. Um, It's kind of shifted. So I was working with teens, but then found I didn't really want to work with parents anymore and uh, prefer working with adults, especially the younger population, 18 to like 30, I call young adults. Um, But a lot of them are, are in transitions in their lives from either you know, going to college or getting out of school and trying to adjust to working life. And many have anxiety, depression, trauma. Um, I do work with some with chronic pain, chronic illness. Um, Cause again, that's a transition too. Cause when you do experience a new illness or chronic pain, that's not going away, especially as a young adult, I find that's even more challenging. So, but I have chronic pain myself. So that's, something I always felt like I wanted to be able to help people that experienced that. Yeah. Did you um, find that you had to go through your own process before you were able to start working with the client through the, throughout chronic pain, or was it more of a parallel process for you? Probably a parallel process because it is, and I, if you have any illness too, you probably understand that it's it's changing, right? It's not like you know, static stays the same because recently my, um, spondylolisthesis, uh, got worse and I got, I had an MRI and things got really bad in November and new changes came up. So I had to work through that, but 
you know, we have to do our own issues, work through our own and while we're still seeing clients. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like, you know, things were, you know, pretty manageable, but then they got unmanageable. So it's such a shifting thing that we all have to deal with. Yeah. I think that that's a big part of it is it's, it is constantly shifting. So then there's, there's grief and adjustment and the whole grief process, I think, um, starts again. Ha- yeah. It starts again. <laughs> it happens over and over depending yes. on. So yeah, yeah for sure. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, grief work uh, and chronic illness, kind of what does that look like? Well, it's definitely, like I said, something that's continuous because things can change and especially when things get worse or the flare-ups too, because it might be, oh, well, things have been going well. And then all of a sudden it's not so well. And it might be who knows how long it'll take. And, and I think the hard part is, and I see this myself sometimes and other people is catastrophizing, like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, it's never going to get better. I'm never going to be able to do things I used to do. And you know, is this the rest of my life? And once you get in that mindset, then that causes a lot more emotional distress. So, um, that which, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in turn makes the pain worse too. Yes. That stress. Yeah. It causes stress response in the body, as you know. And so, yeah, the grief though, I think, but some of that is fear, right? That this is never going to be, I'm never going to be who I used to be. And, um, I have to give up a lot of the things I enjoy doing which is painful, right? Mm-hmm. There's so many things that I still want to do, but I can't, <laughs> or I can, but I'm really going to hurt myself if I do. Yeah. So, so being able to be flexible with our thinking and mm-hmm. being able to accept that this is where I am right now or each day. Sometimes it is some days I can do more than others. Yeah. Which is then brings about uncertainty and all there's so many layers in it. There's fear, there's loss, there's uncertainty, anger, anger. Yeah. Yeah. Like why is this happening to me? Right. Yes. Yeah. How do you, what, what's your kind of go-to techniques? What do you do with clients? Um, Do you have a particular modality that you're using with clients for grief work? Yeah. Well, I'm a holistic therapist. I didn't mention that before. So, so I try to treat the whole individual and body, mind, spirit. So um, with grief, there's so many components that we can work on with that. Um, Some of that is using, I do yoga with clients in session and teach them not, it's not fit yoga. We're not going to work on our abs or anything. So (laughs) it's all gentle, mindful movements using breath. And it's about calming the nervous system, turning on the parasympathetic nervous system, or if they're depressed to do more energizing movements and get them moving some to get that energy flowing, um, depending where they are that day or what they need, you know? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about, um, breath work as far as energizing and how, Mm -hmm. because I think we tend to think of stress reduction as calming (laughs) the nervous system. And so, yeah. Can you just speak a little bit to that? So there are certain breath works that can really make you more energized. Now it's not stimulating like coffee, but it's more of that energy boost. And um, I mix a little Qigong. Qigong is like Tai Chi where it's just slow movements, which most people can do, um, which is why I love it too. But it's moving the Qi, which is the energy, life force, prana, whatever you want to call that life force energy around. And and because energy can become stagnant, especially with like depression, or we can get too much energy, like with anxiety in certain places in our bodies. So it kind of helps to move things around. But you said energizing practice, like one 
um, Qigong practices, if you make a, a, fit, a flat fist like this and gently tap your chest over your breastbone. Mm. So this is called the thymus thump. So this can get energy flowing in the morning. I like to do this in the morning Yeah, and it, it does help move things along. So that's just a different energetic practice. And is that something you might do laying down to even help you on sure. those mornings that you just can't even roll out of bed? Oh yeah. Or tapping like underneath your collarbone, just tapping. Okay. So kind of doing both. So I teach clients these different strategies. Um, and it really does help people with depression too, just to get these different energetic modalities with then we, we might do move into some movement with yoga, you know, so there's, did I answer the question now? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And just speaking to the, you know, just to the fact that yoga and stress reduction is not always about cal- like calming the nervous no, system. No, not at all. Sometimes no. we have to get up and, and yeah, be activated. Get stuff done. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, and getting stuff done, um, from a place of, you know, it, it feels good. Like you actually want to get up. And when you can't on those mornings that you can't get up, that's where you start to feel stuck and, and the momentum of being stuck can keep you in bed. And so that's kind of what we're talking about is how do you, how do you move past those days? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Rest that. is so important. We need to honor our body's need for rest, but I think it's really hard to know sometimes do I need rest right now? Or am I just like in a ball of, of right you know, depression and, and I'm going down that path of stuckness. Yeah, it is. But I think, and I teach clients about using intuition or higher self, whatever they, you know, their belief system mm-hmm. is, um, or the wise mind, like in DBT, um, dialectical mm-hmm. behavior therapy, um, to find that, that intuitive part of themselves that, that can help them. What do I need right now? Yeah. And just listening and tuning in. I find intuition is something that can be really confusing because we talk about gut feelings, but, um, I think if you haven't become aware or if you haven't practiced, like what a gut feeling is, it could also just be fear or it could just be a a quick punch that isn't actually telling you what you need to do. Right. Yeah. And it, it does take practice to adapt to that and to listen and be present. Yeah. What would you say are some of the practices that people could do to learn to be more present to be more present um well definitely mindfulness too to really be tuning into what's around you and noticing sensations in the body really noticing what you see hear smell taste so I do a lot of practice with that as well yeah I think mindfulness people tend to just think it's meditation so right we're really talking about being super intentional about what you notice around you and inside of you. I like that you mentioned sensations because I think that one gets missed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What am I feeling in my body and in doing body scans, which means just going from head to toe, just noticing different parts of your body. Cause a lot of times um, people that I see too, they have a lot of racing thoughts and they have difficulty um, controlling their thoughts because things just get out of hand. They're in their head too much and they're not in their bodies. Yeah. And for people with chronic pain, do you notice a difference between your your clients with chronic pain and those without? Not a huge difference. Some, but I do have some people who dissociate, so it's it's a lot harder for them to connect with their body at times. So it is a slower process to for them to get used to feeling sensation and being in their bodies. Yeah, yeah. I find when we live with chronic pain, it's 
really easy to start to dissociate from your yeah, body. Which makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, who, who wants to be aware of the pain, but yeah, exactly. Mm. Can you talk about the awareness process a little bit in regard to the pain cycle, what it looks like when you become more aware of your pain and using some of these mindfulness practices when you're feeling pretty distressed from your pain? Yeah. So just tuning into those sensations, just noticing, but also, and one thing that just for your listeners to focus on too, is where do you not feel pain right now too? So switching back and forth with that, which sounds odd, I know, and it's hard when the pain can just overtake you, but that's one, one way that physiologically you can help yourself too, to say, okay, is my left foot, how is my left foot? How is my right foot? Mm -hmm. And just going in different parts of your body to just notice and breathing into it. So using breath work is one thing that I do too, um, is really just giving yourself that space and, and grace on those difficult days. Cause you may not be able to do much at all that day, but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a really good point. Just being able yeah. to focus on non-pain as well. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be hard on bad days. <laughs> yeah. I think it even can feel sometimes I find this with few of the clients I've worked with and myself as well. It, I think our pain serves a purpose. Yes. In a lot of ways, um, a lot of times stemming from childhood. And I've found that when I start to look at the places where I'm not in pain, it can sometimes feel invalidating. And so it kind of keeps us there. It keeps us stuck in the pain cycle because we don't want to disown or abandon right. the part of, of us that really needed that, that pain part. That's yeah. where I think therapy comes in. Um, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. how you view it and what's your perception of that and what are you telling yourself about it? I think that's huge with chronic pain. What is going through your mind with this? Because mm -hmm. we can sometimes invalidate ourselves and, and make things worse for ourselves too, by causing <laughs> ourselves more distress. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does happen. Um, so what else comes to mind when you think about when you're, when you're working with grief and you're working with chronic illness and chronic pain, what's something that you feel like is just important for someone to know if they're, um, if they're struggling with how to move or how to get up and, and do sometimes just stopping, right. And just telling, and just allowing yourself that space to say, this is a moment of suffering mm -hmm. and putting your hand wherever that suffering is wherever you're feeling that, if it's on your back, on your leg, your belly, wherever it is, and just being there with it and allowing it to, you know, sometimes just having that compassion for it. Yeah. And I think that once we tense up and get stressed out about it, then it causes more pain and part of the pain cycle, like you mentioned too, but having compassion for yourself, I think is so important through the whole process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how long have you been working holistically? Has it been since the start of your career or? I started, I was a school counselor for 16 years. So I always have done some breath work and gradually learned um, meditation. And I teach meditation now too. So it's been kind of a gradual process. And then I got my um, yoga certification, um, which I never thought I would get that and be a yoga teacher but that's part of life changes so, yeah what motivated you <laughs> what was the catalyst for that I actually took a 
a brief course online about um, teaching yoga to clients and I just loved it so much. And I was like, I want to learn more. And so I kept researching and trying to find a yoga that felt good for me. So, so that's when I found this subtle yoga and it's just been life-changing. And cause I felt like uh, talk therapy can only go so far yeah. and I'm more body-based, somatically based. And I feel like I can get so much further and help teach clients these skills that are lifelong skills to, to manage whether it's chronic pain, anxiety, depression, trauma, so much more. Cause I, yeah. and I've heard other people say this too, that we can CBT ourselves to death, the kind of behavioral therapy, it has a place, but I think you, to go a little bit further that we have to look at some of these holistic practices and, and get the body involved. Yeah, we could probably, I know I could go on a tangent about CBT, <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, but it works. It does work. There's yeah, but. there's a place for it for sure. Um, yeah. I do. I've learned that over the last few years, I've I've learned yeah. to be able to even say like, okay, yes, there's a place for it. But I I do have a strong belief that our thoughts start in our body, whereas mm-hmm. CBT is more like your thoughts start in your head, and and then we need to work in the head. And there's no there is no body. Of course, there's right. there's other. Um, there's mindfulness-based CBT now, and there's other yes, that, there is. that in, um, but I think it's so important when we're working with chronic pain to really recognize that any thought that we have is our thoughts tend to be just very automatic. Yeah. And so yeah, you can combat a thought with a thought, but is it integrating into your body so that the automatic thought doesn't keep popping up over and over and over again? And so, and you said integrate, which is a good point too, because sometimes we can use like affirmations or words with movement and breath and integrate it into the body, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so you said you kind of, you just like found a course and you, that yeah. brought you to yoga, but is there something personal or something, you know, about your history that, that you want to share about that kind of sparked a passion for this, for holistic counseling, mm-hmm. for yoga, for all of it? I think part of it too was my chronic um, pain issues too. I wanted to find something that I could do and cause I have my own personal yoga practice and, and that's really helped manage my pain um, at times, not always, sometimes I can't do much of anything, but mm-hmm. at times I can manage it. So I think just in a spiritual level, I just connected with it so much and and being able to connect with something greater than myself through yoga and meditation. Cause, um, people, people don't realize it's not just asanas, which are, you know, the postures it's, it is breath work. It is meditation too. So there's, there's different components to yoga that people don't realize, but for me, it just connected that I've always felt like a greater connection with the whole person. And it just made sense to me. Yeah. It feels like it, at its core, it is just yeah. an integration of everything that everything. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. The breath work with the movements and then yes. thoughts are coming and going as you're doing that. So it's just, and they're just thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. They're just thoughts. That's the biggest lesson yes. for clients. I will tell them and they'll be like, what? I don't have to believe. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to, we don't have to put a whole lot of meaning to them. Or run off with a story about it. So yes, it's pretty powerful. How do you, um, when you're, when you're working in the room with a client, um, more, do you, do you sit down and kind of talk like talk therapy as well? Or do you yes. tend to just, okay. 
Yeah. So it's kind of integrated. So I do both. Um, yeah. And do, um, sometimes we might do yoga. Sometimes we might do breath work. Sometimes we might do CBT. So there is kind of the integrated using the different models together and brain spotting. I also do that as well. Can you speak a little bit more about that? What is brain spotting and how does it help people? So basically it helps to get to the deeper layers of the brain, the subcortical cortex, which is um, the part of our brain that doesn't always have words, right? It can be sensations. It can be something that's difficult to put into words um, because talk therapy is more about the front of your brain. But with brain spotting, it's using the visual field like EMDR Mm -hmm. to um, tap into knowing that we can, where we look changes how we feel is, is a better way of saying that. Yeah. So if, if I'm feeling activated, which means that maybe I feel sensation because I'm anxious in my chest and if I look right and it increases, that's a brain spot for me. But let's say I look left and I feel calmer. So that would be more of a resource spot. But once we find the brain spot is sitting in that what's called mindful awareness and allowing whatever to come up, whether that's memories, thoughts about of uh, an issue that we're working on. So it's a whole, it's a whole, that's a short, short <laughs> version, but it's a yeah. whole process to work through, but it really does amazing work. And it's much quicker than talk therapy as far yeah. as helping clients with issues. And I'm gathering, you know, I just wanted to point out what you said, we're not trying to necessarily bring about like this positive emotion to just, oh, no. in a, you know, outweigh this negative emotion. It sounds like you're trying to just data collect. Mm-hmm. And then after a thorough data collection, then clients can start to decide, what do I want to do with this? Now I know how to resource, or I know how to tap into positive emotions um, without dismissing my negative parts. Right. So it's a whole, whole parts of that, but we can also, the interesting part of brain spotting. So let's say that if I do feel better looking at the left and we find what's called a resource spot, we also look at what is a place in your body where you feel most grounded. So let's say I feel it in my legs. So I'm going to tune into that and just kind of stay with that, but it's okay to pro we call it processing. So if we stay in that brain spot and process, whatever the issue is, I talked about before, cause we pick one issue and kind of get it down detail. What they found research wise is that people actually move faster when they're more grounded. So they, if they use the resource bot, they can really work through the issue sometimes more than being activated, which if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because if we're more activated, it's going to be harder to necessarily stay with it too. Yeah. When you're activated, your body's like, okay, where's, where's the tiger basically looking around everywhere. And someone might say like, well, I know there's no danger in this room, but it's your insides still feel danger and they react to danger the way someone would have a hundred years ago, 200 years, a thousand years ago. Um, Danger is back then it was, who's going to take my food. Who's going to try to kill me. Who's going to try to, um, you know, harm me in some way. So our bodies still react that way. Even if our brain knows there's no danger in this room. Um, yeah, brain spotting is just trying to work through the issue and process it because thinking about this is a, I'm not going to go into the whole thing about it, but, um, when we have, let, let's say a trauma, for example, and then we don't process it and let's say we suppress it, which is, you know, a normal reaction. Cause of course it's hard to stay with it and want to be able to talk about it and deal with that difficult emotion or what we saw. So it, it kind of goes in the brain. Think of it as like little capsules, right? Stored in the brain, unprocessed but does it go away because we don't think about it? 
No, right. It's still going to come out. It still can cause like panic attacks and come out in other physical issues. Um, it can come out in migraine, whatever it is, your body, however your body reacts. So it's tapping into those unprocessed areas and be able to work through that. So the goal of brain spotting, we do is called suds. So we test, okay, so where's your activation on scale one to 10, 10 being the worst as somebody talks about their issue. And let's say they're an eight. So we want to bring that down hopefully to a zero, but doesn't always get there. But usually I would say nine times out of 10, most people I work with, they have some reduction mm. after each session. So, but I have seen people get down to zero and the issues is resolved period. <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting um, how the brain works. I think there's still so much we just don't know and don't. Yeah. That's a, that's a big part of it. Yeah, for sure. which requires a whole lot of trust and faith in whatever you are doing. Yes, definitely. It's a process. Can you talk a little bit about the, maybe the trust and the faith um, process when you're working with clients? Do you find that you've, you've done some legwork to build trust before a client comes to you, such as in your website or your marketing, like yes. people are choosing you specifically or yeah. Can you speak to that? Um, well, my website is really geared towards the young adult population too. And I've had a lot of people say that, oh my God, you spoke to me. This is exactly what I'm going through. Um, Cause when you think about young adults too, that a lot of them that are just starting out and trying to build their lives and figure out things in life. And so that, that's kind of where I start with that. Um, I also have a free meditation that I give away to people too from my uh, website, um, just so they can hear my voice, get, get used to who I am and what I offer. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, and, and just think about all these practices that I mentioned, it's not like we jump in the first time we meet, <laughs> Hey, let's do some brain spot. <laughs> so it is a, I always believe in a gradual process that we're building up that trust in the relationship that they feel comfortable and, and we slowly move into these practices. And, and maybe when we do yoga the first time, we're just going to do one asana and that's it or one breathing practice. So it's, we don't spend the whole session doing that. Um, but usually we'll just uh, start slow, see how they react to it. If they're comfortable, of course, it's an invitation to do these practices. Nobody's required to. So I always make sure that's clear too. So they feel comfortable and safe and, and that yeah. they, and especially now that I'm doing all telehealth, that people are in their own space. So a lot of times they do feel a little bit more comfortable. Right. Yeah. You're really building that safety, that trust before you go and do some of that deeper work. It's building the relationship. And I, with brain spotting, you can technically start sooner, but for me, I still like to feel like I got to get the ball rolling a little bit so that we can get to know each other and, and have that relationship piece built before we jump in. Yeah. It's, I mean, the research is always very clear that it's less about the technique that we use and more about the relationship exactly. and what helps a client for start to heal in therapy, yep, which can be sure. hard and frustrating when you're looking for a therapist. Um, you know, you, you don't always know who you're going to click with. No. Right? I think mm-hmm. it's helpful. I think like, like what you said, you, you offer a free meditation. So if I'm looking for a therapist and they have either a video on their website or um, somewhere I can hear them talk, there's just something about the energy of someone else's yes. voice, you know, your body, even if you don't cognitively know how to explain it, your body is like, okay, yeah, I I can, I can vibe with that or not. Right. makes a difference. Yeah. And I just think it's so important that people do understand, like finding a therapist is a process. 
you may not, even if you do, you know, you're like, okay, I like, I like this person's voice. I like their video on their website. Like you still might find after two or two or three sessions that, okay, maybe this, this isn't exactly, you know, what I was looking for. Um, and to be able to move on and, and look for someone new without maybe some of the hangups of either, um, self-doubt or, feeling like you wasted time. Cause it's never, it's not a waste of time. You, you're figuring things out, even when you're having an experience that good reframe go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> There's a reframe, <laughs> um, but truly, you know, it's funny as I, the more I do this work and the, the older that I get, I realize the reframes that I used to really hate as a young adult, it's, it's, there's so much truth behind them. Like the mistakes being a learning lesson. It's, it's so true. You can't learn from doing everything perfectly well, because then you have no idea what that gap feels like between getting it right. And like all of the pieces that go along, come along with, with working and, and struggling a little bit to find the solution to a problem. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So true. You mentioned faith though. Did I answer? What did you want to know about faith? Well, we were just kind of talking about, you know, having faith in the process, the process. So really believing in that. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's key though, isn't it too, that this can help you. And yeah. And if you don't believe it, then it doesn't mean like you're not trying hard enough. It just might, it can mean several different things and we can figure out in in the room with a client, what that does. If you don't believe it again, it's not, how can we get you to believe it? It's which I think is more down that CBT route. So sometimes that's appropriate, but other times it's, it's more like, Hey, you don't believe it. Well, what do you believe to be true? Mm. And where does that lead you? You know, when, when that happens for people with chronic pain and chronic illness, it's huge because everything we do requires so much energy. Yes. Mm. And we don't really have much time or energy to waste because of that. So I think it's important that you know, we're really being intentional with, with what we're doing in therapy, what we're doing in our lives to kind of figure out what we want to do next before kind of just like jumping into anything and everything. And and we waste so much energy. And then we kind of have a lot of failed experiences that maybe start to give us a story about what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And, and knowing that it's a process and reminding yourself, cause I have my clients get frustrated. <laughs> Why does it take so long? Well, you've yeah. had decades of, you know, a lot of these behaviors and thoughts, so it's not going to happen in a month or two. Yeah. You need repetition and yeah experience to integrate what you're learning in therapy. Yeah. So that, that alone takes time. Multi-layered, right? Yeah. Yeah. Repetition's really important and really, for some reason, really frustrating. So you have <laughs> it to, takes a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you have to keep reminding yourself, like the repetition is what's supposed to be happening. I'm not, I'm not supposed to get it right the first time. That's not. No, what, exactly. Yeah. That practicing. Yeah. Cause with breath work, especially it, it really takes time to get used to that sensations and how that feels in your body. That's a really good point. And going back to the chronic pain piece, when we have a new sensation in our body, it often feels very scary, wrong, not supposed to be here. And so practice like yoga, it helps you get familiar with the unfamiliar. 
Exactly. Yeah. And be in touch with the body and, and just that connection piece, mind, body, spirit. So important. Yeah. And can I just add one more thing too sure. to that? Um, Cause a big part of this too is acceptance, which is one of the hardest things in chronic pain, especially yeah. when you have a shift. I started to get severe nerve pain in November. I never had nerve pain before. I thought I was going to lose my mind. <laughs> that was worse than any back pain or migraine I've ever had in my life. So being to that place of acceptance um, was just oh, so hard. It's so hard, but it is work that you got to really put that intention out there that this is where I am. This is what I have. And now that I, now when I get it now, the, the nerve pain too, I'm just, it's a sensation. There it is. Yeah. I'm okay. So let me just sit with that. Let me do what I need to do. And I'm hearing that it comes and goes. Yeah. Now it's much better. Yeah. But. It's so hard when a new s- symptom arises. It really does feel like, whoa, this is how it's going to be forever. And it's only going to get worse from here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I felt like I, and I think you mentioned this before that a lot of times the medical community doesn't recognize it or brush us off. Right. I had gone to a doctor and I felt like I wasn't being heard like mm. how bad this was and waking me up in the middle of the night and couldn't function and could barely function through counseling. So it was just yeah. awful. Yeah. But I just feel like nobody was hearing me at that time. Yeah. I think when people don't know what to do and they don't know how to yeah. fix they're like, yeah. oh, that's not real because there's no solution to it. <laughs> yeah. It's just so hard. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I think a lot of these practices do is they get you familiar and, and comfortable with not knowing what to do. That's it, not, isn't it? Yeah. And, and acceptance is a, it not only is acceptance a big part of that and that acceptance helps you navigate some of these practices, but yes. it also helps you learn these practices help you learn acceptance. Oh, absolutely. Being in that present moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's all all we have. What else comes up around acceptance that you might want people to know or hear? Don't beat yourself up if you're not accepting. Yeah. So um, I don't know if your listeners um, believe in holistic practices, but I had gone to a Reiki person back in December and she just, she had heard like listening to, I didn't say this, right. She had I don't know how to say this, her intuition. Okay. Mm. Was coming up that I was not accepting. I was reject. I just want this to go away. I just want this to go away, which was true (laughs) (laughs) because it was new. Yeah. So hard. It, uh, so that, that was a real eye opener. She's like, you're not accepting this. I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) It was like, I mean, you kind of get defensive angry with that too, because it just feels like overwhelming. And how am I going to live my life if I can't even sit or stand at all hardly I have to keep changing positions every five seconds yeah which I think brings on a whole other conversation about um, our fear of disability and what that means and looks like in our country Um, but also just to keep it on on track with with this that anger and that frustration I think is so critical to the process And when a client comes in for therapy and they are frustrated or even frustrated with our therapy, it's very easy as a therapist to feel like you're doing something wrong and you want to get them like deactivated. But I really learned over, over the years that this activation just means we're right about to turn a corner. We're, We're right there. This is a part of the process. And actually what I can do with you is I can just hold space here. That's and I can allow you to be this 
angry and this upset. And you can even, you can even put all of that on me. I can hold that because I have my own practices that help me navigate that. And, and this is the work that I choose to do. Right. And just, but that's allowing, isn't it? Allowing whatever emotion to come up. And I think for your listeners to remember that too, that we have to allow, that's the hardest thing, but it's what emotion is there? Cause like anger, right? We want to push it. I don't want to do, I don't want to be angry. We want to push it down, push it down. But just if you allow that and allow yourself to process it and be with it, it's going to ease up. Feelings are temporary. Yeah. Well, I think in our society, we are not allowed to be angry. Right. It's around every single corner, anger equals bad and it equals like you cannot display that. So it makes perfect sense that um, somebody would not only fear anger, but also have a bunch of shame come up when they do start to get angry and then try to shove it down and suppress it. Oh, yes. Yeah, that makes sense. When I, um, I don't have a yoga practice. I, it's something that I always think about, but my own, my own, (laughs) my own experience is that I would get angry whenever I, whenever I would start to do yoga yoga, or I would cry. And that had so much shame and resent. I had so much shame and resentment towards Hmm. myself for those feelings. Um, but I, this is why I go back to, I think it's so much a part of the process that if you've been suppressing these emotions down as you're working through whatever you're working through, yes, they're there, they're still in your body, they're going to come up. And so, um, yeah, that was my experience with, with yoga. And I think it's probably just a needed, a needed experience, you know? Yeah. And I think that happens for a lot of people too, that, cause you know, trauma stored in our bodies, even small, tra- small T, small traumas mm-hmm. can be stored in our body and our tissues. And then you move a certain way and it might release something. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's true. It would, I would have no reason that day to be angry or sad or upset, nothing going on, but just a, a simple yoga movement or pose could really spark that because it is, it's stored in the body. Yep. The body keeps the score. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah. Good. And tell me a little bit about your book, the book that you have for therapists. Yeah, so I um, published this book in 2017, self-care for the counselor. So I always felt like I've done a pretty good job with self-care. If I can toot my own home for a second. <laughs> of course. I, and I noticed a lot of people didn't, especially therapists are the worst. Um, <laughs> let me tell my client to do self-care, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and burning themselves out and just scheduling too much and not setting boundaries. So I was like, you know what? And I loved holistic things. I was like, why not put this together uh, with holistic strategies, right? And p- put it together in a book so people have a resource. And so that's kind of what I did. Just try to put it and think about all the different aspects of a person, whether socially, spiritually, physically, what can they do to develop, develop these um healthy habits and, and build them into the, to a lifestyle so that they can take better care of themselves. Why do you think it's hard for therapists to, um, take care of themselves, even when they can help other people learn how to take care of themselves? Yeah, that's a good question. That's the million dollar question. (laughs) Well, I have, um, a Facebook group for therapists too, uh, that is, partially self-care is holistic counseling and self-care group, but we do talk a lot about self-care and there's a lot of people in there that do struggle with that still. It's, I think a lot of people in this field are 
wanting to help others before themselves, mm-hmm. whether that was ingrained from childhood, that's the way they were brought up or society pressures that got to help them. Got to, I really want to help people, but they forget about themselves. So it is kind of making that shift that I got to take care of me first. Mm-hmm. And that, that's hard for, especially women. We're nurturers mm-hmm. and we want to make sure everybody else is okay. And then we'll get to me. Yeah. Well, I think too, like learning from, um, if you go through school to become a therapist and you have more textbook knowledge than lived experience. And if you still have a lot of fear around living fully, because living fully means making mistakes. It means going through the bad. It means going through grief and trauma, well, not trauma necessarily, but it, it, there's a, there's a trauma in living there are good experiences and bad experiences. And if you're constantly trying to just like get the answer, right. Like we're kind of trained throughout elementary school. That's what it's, we get the answer, right. Then you're supposed to go to grad school or um, college and then grad school. And you're just supposed to keep getting it right. And so if you've gone through that, that pathway to become a therapist, then I would imagine it would be really hard to actually live and practice self-care so sometimes we need more modeling more resources True. it sounds like a book like what you're talking about what you're what you've written help it just helps give some of that modeling here are some things that you can do if you're willing to practice exactly just making some and it's not always huge life upheaval it can be small changes because one thing I talk about in the book that I still do to this day is a morning routine so figuring out what would be helpful for me in the morning to get my day off to a good start because I used to when I worked like in the school system I would get up with my alarm shower just rush around trying to get ready to go that was how rushing energy right (laughs) I started my day every day but then once I had my private practice you know I do take some time to do some yoga, some meditation. And I'm not saying hour and a half yoga and right, right. hour meditation. Sometimes I do one yoga pose and maybe I'll do a five minute meditation. So I think people have black and white thinking about a morning routine too, that it has to be X, Y, Z, but it doesn't too. And that's why I talk about the book being flexible. What works for you? Yeah. Yeah. That psychological flexibility is a huge component of acceptance and commitment therapy, which is my main yeah. modality. Um, it's and life experiences, I think, is what gives you flexibility or rigidity. Um, depends on what you make the meaning that you make of it and, and how you look at it. And you mentioned one thing about you said it can even be small practices, but I think it it is the small practices that make it <laughs> that <huge> matter. <laughs> you're right. You know, yeah. those big experiences are great to look back on, but your nervous system doesn't recognize one experience. Your nervous system recognizes re- repetition. Like we were talking about earlier, you need repeated experiences in order to integrate it into your psyche. Yeah. So. And it changes your brain physical brain too so just remember you're rewiring your brain out of being reactive when you do yoga regularly and mindfulness meditation research-based yeah absolutely yeah there's we can see it in scans yep brain changing um and just yeah repetition that's the key yep (laughs) so exactly it's yeah i think i think our um expectations especially with young folk you know in social media we have these like great images of people doing great things and we just think that we have to get to that life or that thing when really it's I mean what does it matter if you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro if you like 
hate your life every other second of the day. Like you have to love the small moments in your life. So how do we get you there? And how do we um, help you repeat the enjoyable, but mundane day after day after day? Absolutely. Joy in daily living, right? Yeah. Well, great. Um, Where can people find more information about your podcast, your retreat, your book? So um, the holisticcounselingpodcast.com. Um, and actually it's going through an upgrade. So right now it's only, I only have the episodes and show notes, but um, I'm recently, um, I've been working with somebody who's helping me put together a full website. <laughs> so it's going to have resources and everything on there. So it's, it's now that we're going to our one year anniversary. Um, and also I have, if anybody was interested my YouTube channels, Therapist Raleigh, um, if you're welcome to see some of the ways that I teach yoga with clients and use that, that for yourself, of course, is going to be helpful. Um, and my practice website is path to hope counseling.com too. So. Great. Thank you so much for all of that. And, and I don't have the retreat information yet. Cause I don't have all the details. Yeah. No, that's fine. Soon, to sure. be, soon to be coming and soon to be on the website once the website's launched. So hopefully yeah. in a- April, 2022, do you have an email list going? I do. Yeah. Okay. And that's the, and people can sign up for that. I have a free email course It's a nine part email course, but that's actually on my website right now. So if they go there and it's just scroll down at the bottom, it's a contact form you can fill out and, and I do send um, regular emails through there. So yeah. get more holistic and tips. What is that course when you sign up? Becoming a holistic counselor. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yep. Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. All right. I'll just stop recording. If you learned something new today, consider writing it down in your phone notes or journal and make that new neural pathway light up. Better yet, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram, email me, or leave a voice memo for us to play on the next show. The way you summarize your takeaways can be the perfect little soundbite that someone else might need in order to better absorb the same lesson. Lastly, leaving a review really helps others find this podcast, so please do so if you found this episode helpful.